no straight up the ass. Well, hello, Michelle Margarita. How are you? And welcome to Eavesdropping with you, Michelle. And you, Geordie. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Michelle. And uh, have you had an interesting week? Well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Huh? I haven't you done anything. I don't know. Oh. I don't remember. My new tropics aren't working. I still Ooh. have no memory. No memory. But hey-ho, that's oh, how it goes. Well, lucky for you, I do remember. And uh, so far, we have had a few responses, quite a few responses about our ghost story episodes that are upcoming. Forgive us. This week, it's not going to be ghosts because we had so many to trawl through, didn't we, Michelle? We did. And from eavesdroppers who are new listeners as well. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. So good. Yeah, really good. So for that reason, it may even be a double episode uh a part one and a part two for ghosties well coming up and i'll tell you for why right okay <laughs> i've just gotten off the phone to a certain real estate agent <gasps> no oh my god i love hazel <laughs> i love hazel oh i'm so excited <gasps> she'd had a few cocktails but there were some stories to tell oh it's coming so because we have so much to filter through we're gonna have to do a double episode i reckon from next week ghosts Maybe some extra droppings. Extra droppings even. Who knows? One of our many researchers, Alastair Taggett. Not Taggett. Yes, I know. Why do I have an issue with an A and the E? Well, he had an issue with with my pronunciation of tome, which he is correct and you were correct, Michelle. It was tome, not tomb. I know. A Scottish person told me it was tomb. I like to say (laughs) tomb. That's not even my very best Scottish accent. I say tomb. 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 No, it's a tome. It is a tome. So he had an issue with the way I pronounced tome, but not with the way you pronounced Taggett. So, <laughs> uh, but he also had an issue with the fact that I, we advertised his fantastic Facebook group, which anyone can look at, anyone can join. It's even been on the national news in Australia. Corona appropriation. I think I said it right that time. But we appreciate you, Al. Thank you. And I believe he's been a bit of a, a star. He's a TV star. I did not even know this about him. Anyone who doesn't believe that in Al, just have a look at the notes for this week because Michelle's going to put a link to the YouTube ad for a Tui's something to do with cutting your mate's grass. It's an expression <laughs> in Australia and I don't understand it. Please, Al, can you tell us what it means? But can I just say how gorgeous he looked in this video? He was adorable. His acting skills were on point. And he's not a unicorn. Well, he might be a unicorn, but uh, he is not a mythical creature. Al Taggart is a beer drinking real person. There you go. He sure is. Great. Now, you were just talking about droppings. <laughs> we were talking about extra droppings. I was just got off the phone to Jen before. Oh. We were talking about her garden because they're all in lockdown. And yeah. she said, oh, all I do is clean up magpie poop all day long. It's a full-time job. So that's her job right now, cleaning up droppings. And I said to her, mum, when I was a kid, did I ever say anything about you know, reincarnation or did I have any ghosty sort of sayings that I, I don't know. And she said, no, no, but I have always thought that you were uh, the reincarnation of Auntie Ruby. And I said, Auntie Ruby, the auntie that you didn't like who was horrible to everyone. And she said, <laughs> and she's like, yes. And I'm like, that's right. Well, thanks, Jen. Thank you so much for that. So I am the reincarnation of the horrible aunt. The worst auntie in the world. Yes. And that's you reincarnated. Yep, pretty no, much. her reincarnated as you. I am horrible Aunt Ruby, basically. And then I was talking to my sister and she said, don't you remember my girls? told me crazy things at age three, hot zone, age three, four, all of these reincarnation memories. So apparently one of them said, just turned very matter of fact me to my sister and said, don't you remember, mummy? I used to be your mummy. Oh my God. And Steph was like, whoa, she said it gave her chills. The other little girl, again, at age three had said something like, oh, mummy, I, when I was 
when I was above you, I was looking down and you were in a room and you were smiling and I wasn't in your tummy yet and I knew that I wanted to be yours and I wanted you to be my mummy. So I came down and that's how I'm your your little oh, girl. Oh, gosh. That's fascinating, you it know, is. because it is exactly the story that you told last week. Yep, exactly. On the death episode. Yes, that is exactly right in last week's episode. So On death and reincarnation, in case people aren't regular listeners. Yes, it was called, what happens to our bodies after we die? Yep. <laughs> and it was number... Oh, 38? 38 in season two, season two, 38. Season two. Amazing. Anyone else with stories? I think Michelle is opening opening a portal. I am. AKA uh, email. <laughs> Please email us at hello at eavesdropping.com. No G. Or, you know, as Geordie had said previously, you can put a pen to paper. <laughs> Write us a letter. <laughs> Write us a letter. <laughs> it's a forgotten art, Michelle. It is. Now, listen, I got a message yes. from Tamira. Our modern mystic, still awaiting her jingle. (laughs) She had plenty of things to say about last week's episode. A lot of people said that they were very moved by your your death story, uh, your euthanasia story, when you uh, said goodbye to the cat that was actually yours. She had had many owners. You were the last one. I was the last one. She sent a message saying that she really felt for the pain that you experienced when you were euthanizing Pina. Mm. But she has good news because her dog is very old now and she's so she started researching deep into the rainbow bridge which is what pet owners call i guess it's the place where your pets go when they die i'm not sure pet afterlife something like that i'm not 100% sure mm. but she learned some amazing things from an animal communicator called Danielle McKinnon who has over 20 years of experience with pet wow i don't know animal spirits and things And she'd spoken to owners and had been able to verify exact details about their pets without knowing anything about them. And what she has to say about the death of a loved, a beloved pet is this. Your animal's passing is predetermined. From where and how they pass, it is already set in stone. Wow. She also says, when your animal passes over to that aforementioned rainbow bridge, its spirit comes out of its butt. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it's bumhole. This is why dogs go to the dog park and they're like, man, is your spirit still there? Oh, Jesus Christ. No, straight up the arse. Just mm. making sure it's still there. <laughs> sometimes, she also says, sometimes the soul has to work with the body when it's time to go. So when euthanasia happens, there might be even extra push from the soul. And that's why the body can move and feels like it wants to stay here but it doesn't it's just a soul vibration and everybody needs to hear this that's what danielle mckinnon says via tamira the modern mystic wow she also says if you hold on too tight and don't let the animal pass over you're both going to get stuck because part of your soul is always on the other side and that's called your higher self so when your animal crosses over part of your soul is there to meet it oh oh i really hope pina knew that I didn't want to let her go. I just wanted her to not be in pain anymore. I understand. And I'm sure she does too. Yeah. But moving on, we aren't doing any ghosty stories this week. But my goodness, get prepared because it's coming. (laughs) This week, Michelle, what are we talking about? Well, very broadly, missing, presumed dead. Oh, that's not boring at all. Well, no. No, broadly, I said. Very oh, broadly. I you said very boring. <laughs> no, broadly, because, you know, I, I knew that this was sort of the topic, but I've gone way off topic. So Have you? I love it when you slip off topic. <laughs> no, I did go slightly off topic because I was watching telly, as you do, and I was watching Good. this absolutely wonderful series called Back to Life with a woman called Daisy Haggard. That's great. I think she's fabulous. She was in a series called Episodes. I think we've talked about this before with Joey Tribbiani from Friends. Friends, yes, who's actually called, what's his name? Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc. Anyway, uh, in Back to Life, which whenever I think of that title, I always think of that Soul to Soul song. Back to life, back to reality. That's the one. That's (laughs) That's the one. However do you want me. You know, 
I had a job with, um, making salt to salt t-shirts when I first came to London. <laughs> you had many jobs. Sounds <laughs> it. Well, this series, it's actually season two, and I rewatched season one and two because it's quick. It's like five episodes or something, um, uh-huh. and they're all half an hour, I think. And it's just a really great dark comedy. She plays a woman called Miri, who is a woman returning to live in a small seaside town. Mm-hmm. Which actually, I looked it up. It's Can you tell me where it is? I, I think it's Dover. Dungeness. Yes, and Hythe. That, uh, and Hythe. Okay, yes. so Hythe will be all those lovely terraces. Uh, seasca- because mm. Dungeness is very bleak. Yes, but they have a lot of um, shots of you know the big sound. The cliff. No, so you know how they have those the big- Martell Tower. No, the big sound. The, the circular sound barriers, whether they erected, they're concrete, they're really... For the war. Yes, in World War Two, yep. so they could hear the German bombers coming, right? So... If I'm not wrong, I think that's called a Martell Tower. Really? I think I might be right. I'm not sure. Oh, Al, don't write in. I'll figure it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really like beautifully shot. It's it's a dark comedy and it's actually really touching. It's a really, really great series. And yeah. she, she what basically happened in a nutshell, and you find this out in the first episode, so I'm not giving anything away. She went to right. prison for 18 years. Now she's out. She's gone back to the town where she you know, left when she was like 17 years a old. A teenager. Yeah. yeah. And sh- her brain is still in the 80s. So she's got a lot of references to Tamagotchis, Discmans and, you know, yeah. she, in the second series she's got crimped hair. Amazing. Oh, I love a crimp. Yeah, I love a crimp. And uh, so it's it's a really, really beautiful series. And I was watching, and I think it was maybe the last episode of season two, and this funny little song came on because I do the music for the restaurant. I always sort of have half an ear out looking for new things to add to the playlist. So when this came, this song came on, I was a bit like, oh, what's this funny little sweet whimsical tune? And it's a little bit folky and it, it was just perfect for our playlist. So I shazammed it off the telly and then, you know, just continued watching. And then after it finished, I checked it out. And it came up as this song called Talking Like You, Two Tall Mountains, by someone called Connie Converse. And when I read that, I sort of just rolled my eyes because I thought, what a made up hipster name, like mm, yeah. Connie Converse. But then I went to Spotify uh, to add it to the restaurant playlist. And there's this black and white photograph of this woman. And she's got these horn rim spectacles on. And not in a hipster way, like in a proper from the 1950s way. Mm. And her hair is sort of like rolled inwards, you know, in those 50s kind of hairstyles that are like, I don't even know how they do them and I would never want to even try. But it it was just kind of weird. And it didn't add up and I was a bit confused by it. And because the song sounds like something a little hipster with a ukulele might play. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's a little bit yeah. quirky, I'm, a little bit I'm keen to folky. hear it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful. So I just sort of dug around and went online to find like the soundtrack for Back to Life. Actually, Shazam got it wrong. It was by this woman called Imogen Rose, but she'd actually done a cover of oh. this song called Talking Like You, Two Tall Mountains. I started listening to the song Look, there are a few weird things about this song. So, first of all, it starts off really kind of grainy and you hear this man sort of talking, saying, hey, why don't you play Two Tall Mountains? She's like, okay, and she starts singing. And Hang on. Is this the cover or the original? Well, it's the original. And like I said, it's Connie Converse. Do you remember... You know, back in the 90s when the Smiths had all of those kind of album covers where they had black and white photos. Yeah. yeah. This is what I thought was going on. Because at this point when I'm trying to look through this, I'm still kind of, I don't understand. And then she starts singing. And this is the original because you can't even find more than the um, the soundtrack of this Imogen Rose. I, I've never even been able to find that. But 
The original is this woman who is singing and she sings it in, in a really strange way, like from the 50s. So it's really formal. It's it, I, Do an impersonation. <laughs> in between two tall mountains. Like, it's really <laughs> strange. But when it goes into... That's the first part of the song. And then it goes into the second part. And she doesn't sound like that at all then. She sort of sounds more like... See that bird sitting on my windowsill. Well, it's saying Whippoorwill all the night through. Whippoorwill? Whippoorwill. Because that's how oh. birds sound. Whippoorwill. 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 And it's just so pretty. I've really murdered that. But anyway... Um, I thought you sang it beautifully, Michelle. Oh, doll, thanks. Not as good as back to life. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, turns out, like, she really is from the 50s. She really does look like this housewife. Amazing. But it's so original. Right. I, I just thought, God, I need to know more about who this woman is. So I looked her up. I aka Google and yeah she has a story what is it so her real name is actually Elizabeth Eaton Converse she was born mm. in 1920 so her last name is really Converse yeah yeah oh. and her friends okay. her kind of called like Connie. yeah called a Connie because she hated the name Converse. well yeah they were like Connie Converse it was just some alliteration uh, okay and when she was born 1924. Wow. Yeah. So that's nearly 100 years ago. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Her father was a Baptist minister who headed up the anti-saloon league in his area, which was all all like prohibition, anti-alcohol. So, you know, she had quite a strict upbringing. And honestly, I know it was only 100 years ago, but can you imagine not having alcohol in your life? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't. Well, I've just done what is the date today I've done about 20 days no alcohol I'm going sober September oh and I didn't realize that it's actually sober October but my thinking was there's only 20 only 30 days in September that's less time uh, <laughs> Off, on the wagon right less time to be dry wow I how do you feel well I feel great I feel great but I did actually have three glasses of champagne at a dinner party the other night. Okay, so, so it hasn't really been a dry dry no, month. But you know really. what? You've got to live. You've got to live. I do have to live, Michelle. That's correct. We all do. So this woman, Connie Converse, she's a super smart woman. She was valedictorian of her school. She won loads of awards. She got a scholarship to go to university. But after two years, she dropped out. And her parents were mortified, almost disowned her. And she moved to Greenwich Village in New York because she wanted to be a musician, right? This is... That's amazing. It yeah. is amazing because you think about this. This is 1944. She should have been a housewife. Yes. Oh, my God. 1944, right? So straight in the wartime. This is not... Women don't just drop out of university and be become a singer in Greenwich Village, you know. So it's kind of crazy. And if you think about it, the folk scene didn't exist yeah it Bob Dylan probably wasn't even born in 1944 Joni Mitchell um Joan Byers none of them this woman was before all of them right it's really interesting she's recently been sort of universally acknowledged by music critics and historians as being the first ever singer-songwriter in the modern age oh wow yeah and this is why, like, I had no idea this woman was so influential without even realising it. But she went to, to Greenwich Village, tried to be this musician, had no success, none, nothing at all. And she started to record a few bits and pieces on a reel-to-reel that she bought, but they've, I think, been lost but people had said that she was really experimental with the way she was overdubbing. So she was really pioneering a lot of oh my techniques and things. And there are only 18 songs that exist of hers. Talking Like You is one of them. This was written like 60 or 70 years ago. 
And when you hear the arrangement and the way she has put these the melody together, it's so modern and it's so sophisticated. And I, look, I watched this little piece of a documentary and her brother had said she was amazing. She was a poet. She was an illustrator. She was an artist. She wrote children's books. She did political cartoons. Oh. And she decided, I'm going to play guitar. And a couple of weeks later, she could play it. And she created this weird finger-picking style. Look, she was also a radical in her lifestyle. She drank, you know, she smoked, she partied. There's also, like, speculation that she might have been bisexual, which would have been really, like, radical back then. She marched for women's rights. I feel like she's a a precursor to Janis Joplin or something. Yes, except when you see her, she's a frump. So was Janis Joplin pre- before she found her cool star. She she started out looking like that with the. Really? I feel like that's how she started. Yes. Wow. Well, and she had bad skin, and she wasn't happy with her looks, and she had weight problems. She wasn't sexy. She didn't think she was anyway. Well, this is Connie Converse. You know, conventionally, she's not beautiful. She's not stylish. You know, she hasn't got the looks of Joni Mitchell with the iconic long hair and. You know, she just didn't have any of that. She was just a smart kind of secretary who wanted to play songs. I've listened to a lot of interesting documentaries about her. I mean, to be fair, there's not a lot. There's not a lot out there on her. But they say that she did suffer from depression. She had some mental health issues. And part of it was because for years, for years, she was in Greenwich Village trying to peddle her songs. No one was interested nothing Mm. she couldn't even get a gig she played live once one time so you know she's this brilliant creative woman who is absolutely gutted because no one no recognition no not at all and then and really when you hear her songs she's really ahead of her time because she is talking about really well singing about concepts like loneliness and shagging around and having arguments with people and drinking at bars and that's not what women sang about at that time so I think this is also probably one reason why she didn't get any recognition because what she was singing about was too out there and shocking for that time you know there were no love songs and there was this one moment actually where there could have been a chance for her so Back in 1954, so 10 years after she moved to Greenwich Village and had zero success, she met this guy called Gene Deitch and he was this sound recordist who loved music and he would invite people over to his house and have parties and just record them on this little tape machine in his kitchen. Do you remember I said at the beginning, this song has this guy saying, hey, play Two Tall Mountains. This is one of those recordings, yeah, from his Ah. kitchen, right? And uh, that's the only reason why these 18 songs even exist, that it's because they're his recordings. And he had some connections and he actually got her a slot on the morning show with Walter Cronkite that same year in 1954. You know, she was there thinking, this is it. This is my big break. And nobody cared. No one. Like she, it, nothing happened from this. And then she stayed in New York for another few more years and then in 1961 which is the same year Bob Dylan moved to Greenwich Village she shipped out got a job at the University of Michigan and that was the end of her music career and then she went through a lot of mental health issues a bit of depression and then in 1974 when she was 50 years old literally just before her before her birthday she quit her job she got rid of her apartment She wrote Mm. loads of goodbye letters to her friends and family. She packed up her V-dub with all her stuff and she left Michigan. She even had a cool car. She did. And thing is, she has never been seen or heard of again. Wow. Yeah. She just disappeared. Disappeared. And that was it. Literally no one has ever seen or heard from her again. And... She had written a a letter to her closest brother saying, listen, I've had enough. Life life hasn't sort of given me what I hoped for and I just need to get away. Please don't try and find me. Please just let me go. 
please just pay my my uh, health insurance for the next three months. Here's a check. Go and pay it. And and he, she, he just thought, okay, she just needs some time out. But the years rolled by and he never heard anything from her. Oh. And he got really worried and actually hired a private investigator who said, listen, if she doesn't want to be found, she doesn't want to be found. Leave her alone. She's an adult. She's She's in her 50s. Just if this is what she wants, you need to respect that. And then a few years after that, a friend in another state had contacted the brother and said, listen, I've been flipping through the phone book when people used to actually have phone books and there's a listing for Elizabeth Converse. Do you want the number? Do you want to call her? He got the number and he never called. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she would be what in her 90s if she was still alive. And the thing is... Then? Now. If she was still alive now, now, she would be in her 90s. She was born 1924. So if she was still alive, she'd be, what, 97? Good maths. So, yeah. In 2004, this guy who had had recorded her in the kitchen, was named Jean Deitch, he was 80 years old. He'd He'd moved all over the world. He was living in Prague. But there was a New York music historian called David Garland who asked him to appear on a WNYC radio show called Spinning On Air. And he played some Connie Converse songs in 2004. And since then, that is when her star has started to shine because there's a hipster record label in Brooklyn that found all the recordings and made a a small compilation. Then she has a lot of like online sleuths trying to find out what happened to Connie Converse. Love them. Yeah, there have been small documentaries made about her. But really, no one's closer to the truth. No one knows what happened to Connie Converse. And that's it. She's gone. Amazing. Yeah, so. I wonder if she had a good life in the end. I don't think so. I don't. I actually think if you're all that depressed and you have already been suffering from mental health issues, I think she probably drove, drove her car off bridge. that's my theory I don't know but anyway if anyone knows anything more about Connie Converse please get in touch because I am kind of midway obsessed with her what a great story thanks Michelle drop it so, yes, Missing Presumed Dead. Missing Presumed Dead, uh, an iconic, now iconic, but then very much not cared about. No, not at all. Pioneer, pioneer of the music scene and women. Yes. Yeah. Women's music scene. Yeah. That's incredible. So I'll put all the links and anyone who wants to hear the songs can can check it out. Go to um, eavesdroppingpodcast.com and look at the latest episode. Now, we were we had decided to do missing presumed and i was telling someone on a dog walk about this and they said oh what you mean like agatha christie and i said huh she said agatha christie went missing what like, what so i had to look into I, I went on my dog walk i came home i hit that internet like nobody's business <laughs> agatha christie but she writes let me about tell you michelle this. hello oh my I god i know this source is from a, a website called All That's Interesting. And also there was a few other, I think maybe some papers as well. But she went missing at the height of her fame in 1926. How did I not know the, this? The fucking guinea pigs are now making the vibrating noise. I'm afraid that they, they couldn't go outside today because they would have drowned. It's raining. Oh, Apologies for the, for the guinea pigs. <laughs> yes. Well, she did. She disappeared at the height of her fame. Shortly after her novel, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd was released. Okay. Her car was found abandoned at the edge of a roadside pit. And for nearly two weeks, tens of thousands of fans, police workers and amateur sleuths tried to find her. At one point, even turning to an unfinished manuscript for clues. But this is just so strange. I had no idea. Isn't it? And do you know what else is mm. interesting? We're talking what? about... Two strong women with a 1920s connection. 
Exactly. Wow. That's why I think this is so amazing, Michelle. Wow. So on this, let me tell you the story, okay? What I know from from this all that's interesting uh, website. On December the third, nineteen twenty six, Agatha Christie was seen leaving her house with just an attaché case. Okay. She kissed her daughter goodnight and left a letter to her secretary informing her she wouldn't, informing them she wouldn't, I don't know why, because I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Okay. So we're going to, not going to. We're going to have gender uh, neutral language. We're going to go gender neutral, yeah. gender neutral, exactly. <laughs> informing them she wouldn't be returning home that night and off she drove. Her car was found the next day, abandoned by a chalk pit near Guildford, which is just up the road from me, and no sign of the mystery novelist, Agatha Christie, It's a Mystery. <gasps> I had no idea. I thought she was just an old lady who died in a sleep and had a lovely life writing crime novels. Well, listen to the story and find mm. out what happens to her, Michelle. All police had to go on were a selection of letters she'd written to her secretary, her husband and her brother-in-law. The husband uh, refused to divulge what was written in his letters, so he couldn't help the police. What? But the secretary, well, he said it was too private and personal, but the secretary said it was a schedule that she that that, that the secretary had received. And the brother-in-law said... Agatha had said that she'd gone to a spa in Yorkshire. So they all had different letters by the sound of it. Okay. The press and the public were revved up and searches of the Surrey Downs took place as well as the nearby Silent Pool, which is known for its gin. And also that Silent Pool is like a big water, like a big body of water in the Surrey Downs and it's said to be bottomless. Okay. And there's a Silent Pool gin. It's very nice. And you know this place. Yeah. Wow. I know the gin. (laughs) I didn't know there was a place. It's near Dorking, I think. Anyway, there was a seance held there by because obviously at the time there was a lot of spiritualists were really into it. The general consensus was that she had met with foul play, but police indicated they had information that she never planned to return home. Even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, author of, what's his name? Sherlock Holmes joined in. He enlisted the help of a medium. Arthur Conan Doyle gave this medium one of Agatha's gloves to figure it out, but still no no light was shed. Police searches of the area found bottles labelled as poison, lead and opium in the area where the car was found nearby. They also found a torn up postcard, a woman's fur-lined coat, a loaf of bread and two children's books. Aha! The plot thickens. It does. There were rumours that another letter to the secretary existed and that it was only to be opened on event of her death. But, Michelle, brace yourself, because 11 days later she was found at that spa in Harrogate, Yorkshire. Oh, so she didn't die. She didn't die. <laughs> was it, you know, what, it could have just been, you know, she just had a novel out. Maybe it was a, a prank. I don't know. But her husband told reporters she'd had a complete memory loss and didn't know how she'd gotten there. And there were loads of people waiting for them when they got back from Harrogate oh my God. at the train station, like fans and stuff. Yeah. Agatha Christie only ever alluded to her disappearance ever again, once in an interview. But on the whole, it was really never discussed. And it completely remains one of Agatha Christie's greatest mysteries. <gasps> because I was about to say, I bet it's Colonel Mustard in the ballroom with the lead piping. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a completely different thing to it Agatha is, Christie novels. It's a game. But <laughs> theories did circulate that Christy had a breakdown or had even tried to kill herself. Yeah. Yeah. But it said the most strongest of the rumours was said that she was trying to punish her philandering husband as she checked into the spa as a Mrs. Tressa Neal, who actually was her husband's mistress, who he then later married. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Because I was thinking, oh, look, she just like, you know, quaffed a whole lot of opium and... and- snorted up all the drugs and then just went on a bender what's with a loaf of bread well you gotta eat <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and now we can all get some sleep it's a clayton's moment the you drink, drink you have when you're not having, having a drink. drink good on you tomo but anyway, um, because I I had an inkling about what your story was about, that's just thrown in there because it was through wow. a conversation talking about missing presumed. Yeah. So missing presumed, but nobody can presume because then what is it? She turned up. Yeah. She was fine. Yeah. Wow. All's well that ends well. But there is another musician that did go missing, Michelle, quite famously in the 90s. 
And this is from an independent article by Ed Power that I got most of this information and the NME because it was, as everybody would know, yeah. from the 90s, anyone born. I'm gonna, I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> it's Richie, Richie Manick or Richie Edwards, who was the guitarist of the Manic Street Preachers and probably the most famous of the band at the time because he was the most controversial. And he was handsome too. He was good looking. Did you think? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I liked I his didn't. style. Yeah. That didn't float my boat. Anyway, he disappeared on the 1st of February 1995, joining the likes of Brian Jones, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain and Amy Winehouse Mm. in the 27 Club. Oh, he's part of the 27 Club. Interesting. Were you about to Google something thinking that they're not in a band together, all those people? No, no, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. about to google google maps (laughs) it was the 27 club is the famous club that a lot of musicians have joined by dying at the age of 27 usually at the peak of their fame yeah yeah like kurt amy etc jim jimmy it's a big theory indeed Mm. yeah it's presumed he took his own life but there's no body and no proof Okay. And last year, 2020, was the 25th anniversary of his disappearance and he was officially declared dead in 2008. Yes, I remember this. Did you see them live? Yes, I did. I did. I I think you probably remember because when I first met you all those moons ago, I was with my then boyfriend. He had an aunt who was living in a tiny, tiny town in the UK called Darwin with an E, D-A-R-W-E-N. And I don't know if you remember what Blake looked like back then, but he had had the long hair and then he kind of went more into like the Manchester scene. But he was really into like his enemies and like, you know, he had all the, he was really into his rock and roll. And he was like, there's a band we have to go see them and um, they're playing in Blackburn so we we probably got a lift I don't know but we went there and we saw them fantastic and it was with Richie yes because it was early days it was Manic Street Preachers Richie was in the band there were about 10 other people and Blake and I there they nobody oh. nobody had known about them it was before they blew up somehow I don't know how Blake got onto it, but he knew about them. We went and we saw them before it all took off. Amazing. Did you like them? Yeah, they were great. You know, they were showmen. Fab. Yeah, it was great. Right. So anyway, on that day in 1995, for those of you who don't know the story, I mean, it's pretty famous. He checked out of his hotel in London first thing in the morning and drove to Wales. The same day, he crossed the Seven, Seven Bridge which connects England to Wales. But there is actually some new evidence that disputes that. Really? The band weren't particularly good musicians in the beginning <laughs> and they'd come from a small coal pit town in Monmouthshire, which I think is Wales, Welsh borders, I'm not sure. He wasn't much of a musician for studio recordings, old um, Richie. Okay. The singer, the singer, who I actually think is probably the most handsome and I like the most out of the band, James Dean Bradfield, who also, he screams so much when he sings, I do worry for his vocal cords. (laughs) Oh, you're a good mum, aren't you? I care. James Dean, yeah, James Dean Bradfield is the name of the singer. He played all the guitar parts and on stage, uh, Richie's amp was usually turned down. So he, but he was mainly the band's image and he was the main lyricist. He wrote all the songs. Wow. Like the lyrics. Four years before he went missing, there was a controversy that put the band and mainly Richie in the spotlight, the NME interview with Steve Lamack. Oh. Have you heard about this? Refresh my memory. I do remember some some trouble. Steve Lamack had an interview with them. He was a big fan in the beginning, but then he gave them a bad review and things soured a little bit between the band and Steve Lamack. Richie invited Steve Lamack into their dressing room after a show and they were interviewing towards the end of the interview. And as he was talking, he kind of absentmindedly carved the words four with a four, real, deep into his arm with a razor blade. And Lamack's standing there freaking out because the blood is just dripping down this man's arm. God. Richie, yeah. So it was quite it was a quite a shocking moment yeah. and he got himself quite a reputation. And there's lots of pictures on the internet of him with that, yeah. like freshly dripping. I mean, it's in the in the interview and it's on the wow. internet as well. Yeah. So 
Poor Richie. Richie previously suffered from an eating disorder, which inspired the song Four Stone Seven Pounds, which I didn't know about because I'm not a massive Manic fan. No, I was never a massive fan, but I, I mean, I'm trying to think what their biggest hits were, but yeah. You love us. Yeah, yeah. yeah you <laughs> love us. And there was also motorcycle emptiness. Oh, that's out of tune. Hang on. No, 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 no. I can't remember how that goes. Anyway. That was the 1994's album, The Holy Bible, which was four stone, seven pounds. And it concocted an image of a fragile man struggling with his mental health, which defied the image that I would see on enemy covers. And I have to confess, I found him and by default the band a little bit pretentious. And I just thought, oh, God, no, I'm not into this. Personally, I found them irritating, but I love them now. I, I think that James Dean Bradfield is very handsome. I think they're all very talented. Yeah. I really enjoy listening to Nikki Wire speak on radio shows and podcasts. Great. Yeah. I'm, I've kind of come round <laughs> to them. Only took 25 anyway. years, but hey-ho. Yeah. But back to Richie. He was a big drinker and he did end up in rehab and it sounds like he was a very fragile soul. Mm. So going back to that day on in 1995, he and James Dean Bradfield were due to fly to America for a promotional tour that day. Okay. And two weeks before his disappearance, he had withdrawn £2,800 from his bank account. So it's, it's said that he left his hotel at 7am with his wallet, keys, passport and some Prozac. Huh. And two weeks later, his car was found abandoned at a service station close to the Severn Bridge, which connects England to Wales. Okay. Which is no, and it's also known as a suicide site. Right. Now, a toll booth receipt was found to confirm that he had crossed the bridge the day he went missing. But recent evidence shows people just assumed that it was two fifty-five in the afternoon. Now, to drive from London to the Severn Bridge, it does take quite some time. He could have done it in a day. He could have done it by two fifty-five that that afternoon. But actually, that when they went back and looked again, mm-hmm. sometime later, it was discovered that the the toll receipt is a twenty four hour clock, so it was two fifty five a.m. Yeah, on which yeah right okay, on the day yeah, yeah, which is interesting. So gossip that was going about at the time said that he's faked his death and there were reports of sightings of him in Goa the Canary Islands and at Newport Public Library not exactly the hippie trail but on the whole (laughs) (laughs) so there is an author this lady who found all this extra evidence there's this woman who published a book in 2019 titled Withdrawn Traces Searching for the Truth About Richie Manick and it's by a woman called Sarah Howis Roberts Howis I don't know how you pronounce it it's H-A-W-Y-S okay Haywis Roberts and she said that new evidence has been found that indicate that his death was staged hmm. she says yeah she says some of that evidence includes the fact that Richie's own uncle disappeared for 10 years when he went out to lecture in Texas in the 60s and 70s and this was something that absolutely fascinated Richie as a young man yes but you know what you could disappear in the 60s and the 70s. You could do mm. that. You can't disappear these days. Well, in the days. 90s, you could too. This is the 90s though, Michelle. But Mobiles weren't about. Not as easily. I mean, I guess the internet wasn't really what it is today. Nobody had mobiles. I mean, you could get those big bricks. I had one, but yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that is why there mm. were so many sightings of him. And there is every possibility that he could have been in Goa. And like his uncle, he intended to return after 10 years. But who knows what could have happened in those first 10 years of Richie being a missing person. Well, yeah. He was spotted in Goa on the hippie trail. And there's so many chances that he could have just been in Thailand in 2004, for example, and sadly perished on Boxing Day during the tsunami. And that's kind of a popular theory now. (gasps) Yeah. That's a very interesting theory. Yeah. So the the author, Sarah, says every hypothesis must be considered when dealing with such a rare and unique missing persons case. Okay. Now, the book was written with assistance from Richie's family. And I don't know if you know this, but his sister has actually, she went on, I think it was Britain's Got Talent or something like that with a choir made up of the family of missing persons. Oh, my God. And it's called the Missing Persons Choir. I've got chills. You're saying that. Mm. That's really. Yeah. Oh. There's also new evidence that include a theory that he may have undiagnosed Asperger's syndrome. And it's also mm. it's also discussed that he uh, said he was going to go to, to Goa before he disappeared. Right. Okay. And also, 
The book details the mystery of a woman called Vivian who was the last to see him before his disappearance. But uh, they say that he was with him in the hotel room before he went missing. But that's it. They haven't been able to find her and verify anything else. Is she real? Who knows? I don't know. Vivian. Who knows? Wow. I mean, that's a big secret to keep if you are Vivian. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Because surely after all these years, you would just come forward. I mean, I guess there could be some mm. grave, grave confession, you know. I mean, it's really sad. His parents have now died. His sister is campaigning, you know, for more information. Yeah. I believe that maybe the band members should just put him to rest. And I know that Nicky Wire, who was his best friend since childhood, does grieve for him still to this day. Yeah. It's very sad if he did just want to just go missing. I mean, it sounds like he was a troubled chap. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But this idea of going to Goa, look, I think in the 90s, all of those countries were were really undeveloped still. You know, Thailand, Mm. India, Goa, all of that. You could go missing and never be seen again. Yeah, absolutely. Just be bouncing from town to yeah. town, village to village, beach to beach. Make a mistake, buy drugs from the wrong person. It's it's all over. You could die and it wouldn't no one would know. No. no. If you'd already gone missing and you're not like kind of saying to people, I'm going to be at this post office in this town next week. Send your letters to, get my to post the PO response. box. <laughs> Yeah. You remember? Yeah, I do. That's what you used to have to do. Send a letter here because I'll be there at this time. You know, that's how you had to do it. But you were actually traveling in that part of the world at that time. You were in India around that time. No, I wasn't. No. It was four or five years earlier I was traveling. Yeah, but that's even worse. On the hippie trail? Yes, but that's that's the thing. Like you would have seen how raw it was at that time in in those countries. Yeah, yeah. There was guns everywhere it was scary i mean i was in a riot in nepal what there was a riot in nepal i'm just trying to remember it now my friend sandra and i were queuing oh we were trying to get we had bought loads of rucksacks tibetan woven rucksacks that we were getting shipped i was getting mine shipped to london she was getting her shipped back to australia so we could sell them at markets Mm -hmm. and some jewelry and things like that and it was i wasn't well i hadn't been well like i had a and it stank in this office and I was just like oh get me out of here and when we got out it was the streets were heaving with people and we had to struggle to get back to our hotel yeah there was a big riot that day the next day I think Sandra went out to somewhere to buy more jewelry and she almost got caught up in another one I can't remember what exactly was going on in this is 19... 89 or 1990 yeah. but when she got back just into no she did know about students being thrown off the roof of the university oh where God. she was in Patan yes and by the time she got back we had to stay in our hotel we were in, on curfew we were allowed out one hour a day do you know what this that has just brought back memories I was in Bangkok and there were political riots happening and do you know what? I'm going to have to go back and do some research on what exactly it was. I've just realised I've done lockdowns before. I did it with a bunch of people, a bunch of alcohol <laughs> in our room, in our hotel room for 23 hours a day. I allowed out with for one hour of exercise. But yeah, I mean, I think this was in the early 90s. I was in Thailand and there was some kind of weird political uprising and I was involved in... In, well, not involved. I was in that area and I was confined to my hotel as well. And I actually went out and was taking photos and looking at what was going on. It was really dangerous. I don't know why I was doing that. Stupid. But it was wild times back there. So, you know, it's very easy for somebody to go missing, I would say. And you would never see them again. No, exactly. exactly. You know, I always have this theory, like the Australian outback is full of dead bodies. If you want to oh. if you want to get rid of a dead body, no one will ever find it. Yeah. That's where that's where you get rid of it. The critters will come and eat them. Yeah. Dingoes. Dingoes. Or oh, wreck off you dag. <laughs> Piss off. No I can bury it. fucked. See, See you next Tuesday. Tuesday. Give me black dog up, yeah. Anyway. well that's the end of my story about Richie Edwards it's quite fascinating it's a little unsatisfying because you know there are theories but there's no facts yeah yeah 
it was a terrible mystery, you know, to his family and to his friends and, his, and especially to his band. But the, you know what? They just dusted themselves off. They picked themselves up and they just kept going without him. Yeah, they and did. And look at the success they've achieved. Yeah. No, they've done well. But, I mean, you think about Connie Converse. Like, nobody has any clue what happened to her to this day. Yeah. Same with Richie. I mean, can you imagine how heartbreaking that must be for the families? Yeah. To never know, to never have closure. Yeah, there are families out there who do have, you know, there are loads of missing people every day and no one knows where they are and it's just heartbreaking. www.eavesdroppingpodcast.com Hello at eavesdroppingpodcast.com Email us a story. Share, like, all of that. Follow our social media. Like, subscribe. Instagram and Facebook. Yep, you know what you At eavesdropping underscore. You got that right. eavesdropping. Well, there you go, Jordy. Not a lot of laughs this week. Oh, <laughs> not really. No, Laura, Laura laughs. Not. <laughs> but no, I loved your story. I loved your story. And do you know what? That took me right back to the 90s hearing about Richie. I'm actually going to go and listen to some Manics. Listen to the yeah, Manics. Yeah. And if I've got any part of that story wrong of going to see them, apologies. That's my memory. I mean, only Blake will really remember. But yeah. Well, I, I now realise that I get I got my story completely wrong because we weren't actually in 24-hour curfew. It was our friends that were. We flew the next day to India where there was no curfew. So we were all right. Oh, okay. Well, do you yeah. know what? You've had some memory appropriation. I have, like corona appropriation. Have I said that right? <laughs> Anywho. Oh, well, thanks for those wonderful stories. I really enjoyed hearing about Agatha Christie. I actually thought it was going to be a horrific ending, but I'm glad she survived. I think we would have heard about that. Yes. We would have known. That would have been in the annals of history about Agatha Christie because she's still as, as famous as she ever she was, is, really. Yes. Yeah. Listen, I do hope that those stories haven't triggered any any bad feelings or memories and I hope that it helps and it's certainly I'm going I'm going to be looking up that song by Connie Converse because it sounds absolutely magical. But Michelle. you know what the rest of her songs too are really really beautiful, super folky. There are there are a few of them where you listen to them and you think how is this before Joni Mitchell? How is this before all those folk singers? She has Yeah just really tapped into something but she was ahead of her time so I hope I hope people love her as yeah. much as I do I, like I said I'm like mid-level obsessed with her so okay cute well listen Michelle we better go off and start researching our next episodes ghosty woasties I'm excited it's not it's not too late to send in more pen and paper written messages. You don't have to write them down. You can send us a voice note. You can send us, uh, how else can they get it over Email. to us? Email. You can record yourself talking. Well, however you want, we accept all communications. All communications. Yes. Well, listen, thank you to all the eavesdroppers out there for listening in. We love each and every one of we you. We do. Thank you for sticking with us. And don't forget to share, like, subscribe, tell your friends, review it if you can, get the word out there, and uh, we will see you next time for a bit more eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.